Let's Talk Home Repair is sponsored by Matriarchy Build, who provide tele-DIY services connecting homeowners to vetted pros for one-on-one video consultations. Visit matriarchybuild.com to get guidance on projects as small as a leaky faucet or as big as a home remodel. You can even book a session with Amy themselves. Visit www.matriarchybuild.com. Tele-DIY. Like telehealth? Yeah. Cool. I know. Hi, I'm Amy, general contractor. And I'm Alicia, homeowner, and we're talking home home repair. repair. Today we have a special guest in the studio. Amy, who do we have visiting today? We do. We have Morgan Menser. She is co-founder and executive director of Reckoning Trades Project. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you so much um, for coming and joining us. Give us a little background on you yourself and and then Reckoning Trades. and, and... How did you land there? Or... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. Um, So I'll tell a little bit about myself first and then what really took me to Reckoning Trade Project. I started um, out of, I went to undergraduate school and and studied human rights and, and did the whole kind of formal education system. But I've always wanted to be an auto mechanic. And that was in part because everyone's I, secret desire. Yeah. <laughs> and I had lots of crappy cars growing up. Right. I had a 79 <laughs> Toyota pickup truck that had oh, 390,000 miles oh, that's on a great it. One. You could see the street through the floorboard. <laughs> and my first um, experience was changing the thermostat, which, you know, is pretty accessible and easy on those, which is great. And it really just had me hooked. And then The combined aspect of I was raised by a single mother who, you know, car repair and fighting through, like, Mm. what do I actually need and how do I pay for it had a real big impact on me. So it was really like, how do I make it so it's accessible to folks? So I was like, okay, I want to be an auto mechanic, but I also want to be a lawyer. And I was like, I want to have a... So I believe in human rights, but I really like cars, but law, hey. So, and my slogan was, I will have an auto shop law firm where I'll fix your car and file your papers and you can get the hell out of town if you want to, you know, just a one-stop shop. So, um, yeah, I went into, I started as apprentice mechanic and worked in Seattle at a shop and I was there for three years and I loved it. I did really well at it. How did you get an apprenticeship? I just stocked the shop. Did you really? Yeah. Okay. I just went in and was like, I really want to be an apprentice. And they were like, well, we need a front desk girl. And I was like, that is not what I want to do. Right. <laughs> Thank you very right. much. I want to talk to cars, not people. <laughs> so, and I just kept going back. And eventually they were like, okay, we'll try out for, um, they had a position and I loved it. I did have my original uh, mentor in the shop who taught me everything was this man that was quite unfortunate. <laughs> he was, he was, for lack of better words, an asshole. Um, <laughs> but you learned a lot. I did learn a lot, but then I, there was a woman foreman that worked there and she took me under her wing after I, you know, really kind of proved yourself. And- yes. Yeah. And it was a great experience. And then I went to auto tech school, kind of wanting to learn more, dive deeper into diagnostics, electrical, um, came back out and, got into law school. <laughs> so went to law school on the East Coast, came back to the West Coast, and I worked part-time in an auto shop while I started my own law firm. 
And so, so you really did keep true to those two things. That I you wanted really to do. did. I really did. And so now, so your own shingle as a lawyer. Yes. Well, so I started the Lavender Rights Project, which is an okay. LGBT legal services firm, and I did that for years while doing part-time wrenching because <laughs> I loved wrenching, and you know, starting a small business takes. A lot. And yeah. we didn't have any money. So <laughs> I had to work. And then in about 2018, another friend of mine who was a welder and I were like, the trades are so amazing. Where are the other queer trade workers? Mm. Like, we want to find them a network and, and just build connection. And we really were like, this is economic justice. Like, having the trades are economic justice. You have benefits. You have you know, livable wage, you have union protection sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we just wanted to create an organization that would bring queer and trans trade workers together. So we started the Reckoning Trade Project in 2018. We had a real strong momentum, a real good core group of folks. And then for a good year and a half, we put on events, we um, what kind of events? Like just kind of education, here's what's in the trades? Yeah, we had, what were a lot of our events? There were social meetups monthly. We would be like, you know, come and meet other queers in the trades. Um, we had a what is sexual harassment, educational know your rights event. Um, we had a whole forum where we invited lots of trade queer and trans trade workers, and we just presented about what is our experiences and how do we want to change the trades. Mm -hmm. And it was super successful. It was great. It was a great time. And then the pandemic hit and everything slowed down. Yeah. So mm -hmm. from 2020 to 2022, everything was pretty slow. People were really impacted economically. So, but this year we're up and running full great. throttle again. Nice. And yeah. so have you had an event yet? So we did have an event. We co-sponsored a tiny house build with Sawhorse Revolution, which is another amazing oh, org. Right, yeah. And they do um, trade worker training for youth and really exposing youth to the trades, which is always awesome. So we did that. And then we have our monthly affinity group meetings. How could I forget? <laughs> um, so every last Thursday of the In month. Infinity? Affinity. Affinity. I agree. So last Thursday of the month from 6 to 7 p.m., we have a meeting, bring folks together, kind of we have a presentational, educational portion, mm. and then a discussion portion. And it's interesting, the affinity group meetings, like we get new people all the time, and we've recently got a lot of folks from the East Coast. So a lot of trade workers from Massachusetts and Rhode Island and Maine came to our last meeting. Because which, these are virtual? Yeah. Okay. They are virtual. Thank okay. you very much. They yeah, are yeah. virtual on Zoom. No, I'm, I'm thinking about join. what a party this meeting would be with a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> they're coming from the East Coast. people. And I was like, all right. <laughs> it's so, a little more reserved on Zoom than I'd like. It yeah, definitely right. helps if it's in person and everybody's, you know. But it has been a happy accident, you yeah. know, that we had to get versed in this because of bringing, making the country a little smaller. Yes. You know, absolutely. and sharing those experiences. So. Yes. Yes. So you do you think you'll go uh, in person with that or you, will you keep it virtual? I think we'll keep it virtual. Yeah. I think we'll probably do what our hope is to, is to create kind of a kit. So folks can be like, here's how to have a in-person meetup. Here's some good marketing tips. Here's some, you know, um, 
whatever, pitch deck for when you put on your social media, come to our events. So we want to really package it so folks can have in-person events across the country, but then join our virtual meeting as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. And then you can go on tour. Go to all your yes, reckoning trades. Yes, Well, we also went to the Women Builds Nations Conference, which, have you been to that, Amy? I haven't. Mm-mm. It's you real interesting. It? I did. Um but I've only learned about it since the pandemic. So, okay. yeah. yeah. So they had an event in Seattle in, I think, 2019. And it's like this huge conference and it's rad. It's like all women from all different trades. Wow. People were matching shirts and they, you know, <laughs> unions are shouting and they have like walked through the halls chanting. It's great. It was, it was a great time. And we had a panel there, an LGBTQ trade worker panel. Mm. Which it's really interesting how, you know, the labor movement and the trades have had a real strong, like, women in trades approach, which is rad and amazing. And we get some pushback on the LGBT front, especially on the transgender, gender nonconforming front sometimes, of people saying, you know, we should be focusing on women in trades, and we're saying we want to get even more expansive. We want to work for um, creating rights and safe spaces for the most marginalized folks. Like, and didn't then, we learn our lesson? Right? Right. My gosh. Yeah. I, I was very interested in, in hearing what pushback you got and, and was the idea, there's just not enough seats yet, and so we want to make sure that whole wave crap yes. of like, we'll get these people in and then yeah. we'll let the other people in. It's like, we yeah. There are more seats than there are people. Yes. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Right. right. What so, are they saying? Like 650,000 jobs are now open in the trades. It was 400,000 last year, and now it's gone to 650,000. Yeah. Wow. There are yeah. plenty of seats for everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's a little interesting, but we really want to build off the movement that has happened in the trades, learn from what has happened, and just... Push them where they need to be pushed. Push folks where they need to be pushed, and just create more space, say... You know, let's shift this industry so it's more inclusive, more safe, more people want to join it. And our big pitch is, you know, the demographics are changing so much in the United States. Like Mm -hmm. the number of kids coming out as trans and non-binary is amazing and queer and pansexual, which is the new term, which I (laughs) totally am like, pansexual? What is that? Oh, God. Okay, remind me what that is. I know I've I've heard of it. That's like gender means nothing for sexual attraction. You're just attracted to people. Oh, okay. You're not attracted to gender. Okay. Which is rad. And like, I think definitely the queer movement has um, seized that in very similar ways. Yeah. It's just a new word and a new framework. Yeah. That's an exciting group. Yeah, so it's great. And we, um, so we have our monthly affinity group meeting, and we also have our own podcast we're working on. It's, so the other thing about me is I'm currently starting a shop with my partner, an automotive repair shop. Nice. And it's in Tacoma, and it's called Camellia's Automotive, which is named after my daughter. Nice. Um, and it's great. I really will have that law firm auto shop. Like, it is going to be <laughs> locked down. I am going to brand it. So what kind of law do you practice? Uh, employment law. Okay. And civil rights in general. Appropriately. Enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Totally. So, um, but we have our we have a podcast called Wrenching where we it's kind of a queer click and clack. Uh, you know, sure. folks can call in and and say this is my car problem. Then we have guests as well that you know what is it like to be in the trades and so you do it live. Yeah, 
We cool. do do it live. So, and so you stream it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, we, it's happening right now. It's just right, right. in the production <laughs> process. We just recorded our song. Nice. Oh, cool. So, and then we have um, a lot of trainings that we do. So Reckoning Trade Project is really trying to change the industry with providing trainings to employers that what are best practices if you have a transgender employee. Mm. If your transgender employee's, you know, birth name, dead name is John, but they want to go by Sue and they haven't legally changed it, what are the ways you can support them the best? Mm -hmm. How do you make it so there's um, non-gender neutral bathrooms? All that kind of stuff. How to do pronouns, integrate pronouns into everything you do, asking for pronouns. So the training aspect is really great because we get a lot. People are so interested in these trainings. Really? Private industry and um, vocational schools are really like, give us these trainings. We Mm -hmm. want to expand. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to serve these folks that are coming in because otherwise people, you know, are treated Badly, and, and they turn their back on the trades. And right. As you said, we need the workers. Yeah. We do, yeah. So are they usually, like, what size of, of companies are you talking to, training? Um, I mean, Selen Construction is a big supporter of us, and um, the JATC, the Electricians Union Pre-Apprenticeship Training Program, we're working with them, and we just have a lot of different organizations that I'm very surprised about reach out and really want it. And a lot of women pre-apprenticeship programs. So the BCC, Women in Trades, Oregon Trades Women um, on the East Coast. Anu, have you talked to Anu? Yeah, we work closely with Anu too. And on the East Coast, there's non-traditional employment for women as well. And so these different organizations are also often hungry for Let's not just serve women. Let's make sure we're being inclusive, mm-hmm. which is rad. So, and, and you're feeling like their interest is is sincere and and good spirited, as opposed to just checking off their yeah. equity. Yeah, I think there's definitely some equity check boxes that happen, but a lot of folks are really interested, and I think it's kind of the economic desperation for workers, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, if you want to change stuff, you make it economically. Right, right. Um, beneficial and then folks will well what i'm what i've been learning i'm sure amy's already been well versed in this with her experience and the people that she works with but what i found interesting over all the guests that we've had is just how lousy it remains just the culture you know on the ground culture Mm -hmm. even if they are just checking a box at this point you still get in the room Mm -hmm. yeah and they are gonna have to have to make it better in some way. And I think that's where mm-hmm. they're feeling challenged. And we've talked a lot about even the good guys, you know, on the floor have a hard time because it's just so entrenched. Did I did I tell you about my uh, experience at the uh, International Builder Show? No. I went to a workshop that was diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, yeah, all right, I need to go just to see what people are saying. Yeah. Presented by... 65-year-old white guy from Utah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he and he was clueless. He was absolutely oh, see, I don't no. mind the demographic. I don't mind the demographic, but the fact that he was clueless is in, He was. He was just... Because we actually need white guy messengers. We well, do. we do. You right. Yes. yes. But so this, the this they should have just canceled right away, but... the entire thing. Wow. Um, because he was just unaware. He was 
talking about a story or or an instance where he was talking to uh, an apprentice guy from uh, Honduras, and the guy was saying that he was uncomfortable because he wasn't like everybody else, you know, and he's got this flowery shirt on and everybody's got suits on and he's got black skin and everybody's white. And the guy was like, oh, don't worry about it. Just be yourself. Just totally oh, disregarding. Wow. His. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty disappointed with that. Yeah. And yeah. so I would love to have, and I'm going to, I'm going to, figure out how to do this, but, but coming to our, our local, uh, builders association, because I think that that is something that, that we need definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we have quite a few women, quite a few people of color as well. Great. And, and so there are not a lot of trans people. I've had a couple of people that have worked for me and they have had horrible, horrible experiences. Mm -hmm. And one person was, they were so fearful and and didn't have a whole lot of trust of my crew. Yeah. Right. And we are, you know, incredibly diverse. And, um, and it was so sad. It was, they, they were always looking behind their, you know, over their shoulder about Mm -hmm. what, you know, what's going on. And how terrifying if you're up on a ladder. Oh yes. You know, any kind of, cause it's such a physical, many of them are such physical jobs. Mm -hmm. And you're so dependent on your coworkers for safety. Right. And if you can't even trust them to use your pronoun, how are you going to trust them not to push out the building? (laughs) Here's our lowest bar. Yes. See if you can reach. Can't even do that. That's an interesting way to think about pronouns, actually. Yeah. Say, this is your first test. Yeah. <laughs> if be you a human being. You can't do that. Yeah. And so do you feel like, going back to your point, Amy, that I'm really excited that more and more places are having the discussion, and mm-hmm. this discussion itself is is certainly worth something. But what I'm excited about your organization is you give people the tools Yeah. to say, yeah. with these people in your workplace, yes, this, this is, is what, what you, you sh- need. Yes. Yes, absolutely. To the physical, to the protocols. Mm-hmm. We had a great, our last podcast was with some great pioneers, and we're still just talking about when somebody comes up to you with a concern in the workplace to believe them. Yeah. You know, when yeah. something's happened, rather yeah. than blowing them off mm-hmm. and saying, just be yourself. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's all right. I, that was my uh, default. Mm-hmm. And this that's is not what, what they meant. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. that's not what they meant. Mm-hmm. And, Aren't you going to be playful with the crew? And- right. Joe's just a good guy. Yeah. 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 I base a lot of our trainings um, in part, I mean, I use lots of different things, but one of them is an old Susan Fisk article, the feminist from like, God, 85 maybe. Right. And it's, she breaks down sex stereotyping and how it functions in trades and how it's reinforced and how, you know, not seeing representation in the trades makes people then attribute, well, women must not be able to do it because there are no women here instead of the systems that are preventing women from entering. And then when there's no representation on who you're reporting to, Mm -hmm. the ramifications of that, of like, if my supervisor doesn't use my pronoun, why am I going to report to them that my coworkers are ridiculing me for it or using as a weapon against me if my supervisor won't even do it themselves? So... It's really heartbreaking in some ways to be like, you still got a right, Fisk. Like, it's been, <laughs> God, now what has it been? 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you're still doing it. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And I think that, I think you're just in such a unique, wonderful spot because why isn't it advancing? And they have found things to say that minimize what happens. Mm-hmm. Um particularly with racism as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, to absolutely. say, well, I don't see color. I'm just like, 
Yeah, you do. It's there, you yeah. moron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you do. And and those stereotypes that you're talking about. Absolutely. So yeah. even just reopening up that um, mm-hmm. discussion, and I think actually the the trans advocates are really breaking that wide open. Yeah. Because Absolutely. you know demanding certain things be different. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. which I think is kind of exciting. Oh just yeah. Just even to stretch our muscles on that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I remember the first time someone said to me, why does the state even care about your gender? Why do you have to have your gender written on your license? Like, what is the mechanisms and the reasoning for that? You can pick your name. Why can't you pick your gender? Like, they Mm -hmm. can figure out how to quantify folks based on names. Why do we have to know and regulate gender in such a way? And, I mean, I think the argument is because then it benefits the majority of men and and women make them a bunch of money and raise all their kids but among (laughs) other things (laughs) well it is a tricky discussion and uh again this will be a rabbit hole but it's looking at identifiers versus identity Mm -hmm, i think mm -hmm. is tricky you know that's why it's on your license absolutely because that's the other way i confirm that it's you but what if it doesn't confirm that it's you yes definitely definitely what if it puts you in danger Instead, right. if you're yeah, gender like, wait marker, a minute. this says yeah. you're a girl. Yes, totally. And that can, I mean, you imagine getting pulled over by the cops and having the wrong gender marker. And right. they're like, well, you must be lying. Right. So tell us a little bit about your mentoring program. Yeah. So we are working on developing a program and we're really looking at what has worked. We mm-hmm. want to make a program that is beneficial to both mentors and mentees. Um, and really thinking through, like, can we think of new and innovative ways to have mentor programs? Like, I think you were even in the meeting where someone brought up having mentors across just different trades. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to potentially get into a different trade or just try out welding, even though I do construction, you know, something like that. So what we're looking for is folks that are excited to partner with someone who's getting into the trades or has been in the trades and is underrepresented. The mentorship is really across lines of kind of underrepresentation, marginalized folks, creating a space where people can reach out, mentees can reach out to their mentor and say, you know, I'm navigating this difficult situation on the job. Do you have any advice? And then also having a larger body of um, folks on our Google group where you can bring it there too. So let's say your mentor can't really give you an idea of the best practice because they haven't been in that specific situation. You know, it's a large construction project versus someone who does residential, for example. Mm. And so having a platform on the Google group where people can bring their questions, but really we're looking for mentors that will be open and accessible, willing to commit at least six months to a year to somebody and just be there to talk through, what do I do in this situation? I'm being ridiculed or not taken seriously, or I need to ask for a raise. And how do I ask for a raise in this position? Um, How do I find out? even what people are making, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a big issue as well. So our mentorship program is one where folks can contact us through the website to let us know they're interested. And we'll really have it flushed out in probably June of this year because we really are trying to do a study of of what works and not just be like, we're going to recreate something, but there are tried and true programs that are out there and, and how can we replicate that? 
And how are you being different than those programs rather than promoting those programs? I think because it's really specific to trade workers and underrepresented trade workers, oh, specifically okay. so LGBTQ okay. IA trade workers. So how can I have a experience where I'm talking to my mentor about my girlfriend and they don't blink an eye because right. they're open to that. And, you know, I think if there's cis het folks that want to be mentors, we're certainly open to it as long as we can ensure that, you know, if someone, the worst thing is when you have to explain why the harm hurts instead of just being trusted that this harm hurt me mm-hmm. and get, like we just don't even need to talk about why it hurt you but just okay you were harmed where do we go from here how right. do we support you from there so that's I think why I think it's important to have more of a identity-based mentorship program where folks are so underrepresented and the trades are so entrenched with misogyny and transphobia mm-hmm. Take your pick. Uh, yeah, I know. Jeez. I'm just like mm-hmm. all the phobia words that I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> throw in there. Racism. <laughs> right, right. Extreme racism. So a lot of harm in the trades comes from an identity perspective of, of where someone's different. That is fo- the focal point for ridicule and harassment and discrimination. And so we want to make sure that that's, like I said, what you experienced is does not have to be explained as to why. Or justified. Justified, yes, mm-hmm. that's right. it. And so, yeah, I think that's why it's it's particular. Mm-hmm. It is. We want to provide our mentors with resources about how systems of oppression work. Like, I'm learning all the time, for exactly. example, about anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. What is anti-blackness? How am I... Um, creating that. that, how, yeah, yeah like what, I think that's a term that is, is newer to a lot of white folks and we don't even understand how to conceptualize it or think about it or recognize it. So the other part is providing a lot of resources that are like, this is how transphobia functions. This is why it has to be stopped. This is how it hurts all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, this is why we want to have the safest space for the most marginalized. So really resources that look at how these systems function because, you know, we talk about identity politics, we talk about oppression, but having those concrete examples of how it's manifesting and how we are part of these systems and ways we can stop those systems is what we're lacking lots of times. Right, right. You know, that like, we're all ready to say, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. But we don't know <laughs> yeah. how to make it better in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Yes. And be better advocates Absolutely. on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Are construction companies on Glassdoor? Like, do employees... Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Because I think that'd be another interesting little pressure point. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. if somebody says, you know, selling is doing all this kind of stuff, and but I'll tell you, in this department, or da-da-da-da-da, that's a problem. And the reason why I think it would be a good pressure point is because that's out there. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the Yelp of companies. Yes, yes. And so if you're getting a lot of bad reviews on Mm -hmm. Glassdoor, it's your job, you know, as the company owner or PR, whoever it is, but they have to address that. And if you have pages and pages and pages of it, you really can't turn your, your head to that. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. We definitely thought about that. And I think that we will eventually figure out a way to do it. The problem is libel and, and them 
companies that's, that's come. That's why I suggest specifically yeah. Glassdoor. Yeah. Because they've figured so really that all saying, out. Just say, just this is, this is a venue for you. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's a good point. As we're working through these things, I know it might feel, because it's anonymous, yep. you know, which yep. is problematic about it, mm-hmm. you know, but it also forces companies to yeah. really address, you know, that thing. And you, you have to talk yep. to them or write the response. And, yep. And just doing a little bit of that footwork all the time, how about we get rid of that problem? Yes, yeah. yes, Instead of that absolutely. Having, especially for larger companies. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And we really are trying to get together also a list of good companies so people can be like, who do I go to? And we yeah. can say, here are some options of folks that we've worked with. But one thing I think that's really important in this I think you should create a seal so that if a company gets your seal, this is a good place. No, we have, I definitely thought about that, that, but what I want in companies also is a personal connection. Cause I think these, I want to be able to say, here's someone that's come a warm handoff, someone that we can be like, where is the accountability? Cause I don't want to send someone into a huge company and then not have anywhere for them to go if they do experience discrimination or harassment. So what I'm hopeful for is that we can start to build in these, like, who, where is your accountability chain in your company? Who is, are these people talking to mm-hmm. that actually pays attention and takes this seriously? Because it's probably not going to be the first foreman. Or it might be, and he might be great, but mm-hmm. I bet you there's someone in that line that is going to shut down this complaint. Mm-hmm. So how do we make a space that people actually have accountability? And and to educate the companies, because their answer is going to be, yeah. we got turnover all the time. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you who to go to. Yeah. Because they might be gone in six months yeah. or in a year and a half. And uh, what Well, we that learned... tells you the, the, the health of the company right there, if you got turnover... In six months well, or, or a people year, are shimmying or... around, particularly if you're in a relatively large company. I I wouldn't be so scared of some shimmering shimmying around. And I mean, the in the government level, we were talking to Alice, you know, just on the right. last yeah, episode. Yeah. You know, she was saying at one point, and this is eighties, yeah, eighties or late seventies, because she was doing the recruiting work. Mm-hmm. She said on the dock, their line people, twenty percent of them were women. This is in the 80s. Yeah. She goes, that's not the number now. Yeah, yeah. And so, and my misunderstanding was, is that it was too, you know, they didn't like the atmosphere and so they left. That's where they, she said, oh, no, no, they're just retiring now. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, you mean they had entire careers there? She goes, yeah, she has entire careers there, but they stopped the recruiting effort. Mm-hmm. And so it just went back into stasis, yeah. Yeah. which I think is an important lesson. I thought it was a very in- yeah. important mm-hmm. lesson as we're doing our advocacy now yes. and saying, what are the things that need to be institutionalized? Mm-hmm. So if we don't know that somebody's going to be there in a year and a half or two years, you know, because things turn around in management, people go yeah. up and down and the responsibility or the responsibility is shuffled around that instead of it being a person-based it is a procedure Absolutely. in your company. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. definitely. I think it's a combination of, of both. the, And that's one thing we do a lot at Reckoning Trade Project is we have model gender identity policies for employers to say, okay, if you have a trans employee, here are your best practices. If you have another employee that says, I'm not going to go in the bathroom with them, have a policy so you can say, sorry, that's against our policy, you're out. 
Right. And so they have an effective remedy before the issues So it's not on the themselves. person. It's like, here yeah. it is, our policy. Yes. We decided. Oh, yes, great. which has been really effective for a I lot bet. of different companies to say, okay, now we at least know where to go. Mm-hmm. And then the next step is enforcing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the tricky step. Right, right. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. Yes, yes. It's just so much. It's so much. I I got job security here. I know. <laughs> For sure. So right. how, how are you funded? So right now we're primarily grant funded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, some funds from our trainings, and we're really working to build the trainings for that sustainability. Grants are not fun to apply for. Right. They're competitive against people that you want to work with. Like, I don't want to be competing against new for grants. Mm-hmm. I want to say, let's both get this money and work together. Right. But a lot of them just don't avail themselves of that. So right now we're primarily grant funded, but we're building up our income streams with trainings, which is very exciting. That's That's really, I think we want to have that dual approach for the um, long term. And so are they all live trainings at this point, or do you have recordings and packets that you can say, you know, here's the lecture that we gave and the exercises that we went through? So it's exciting because they have all been live in the past, but now we're working on um, adaptive learning trainings Mm. to give folks. And we're just starting this project this year. And so, you know, it probably won't be really rolled out till next year. But where people, before we have a live training, like part of the training is do this adaptive learning. Let's see, what do you understand? If you don't understand, then you go to this definition and this example. Mm -hmm. And if you do understand, then you go to the next higher level question. So we're really trying to do that. And the hope is we can then meet more needs. Like there's, you know, we want to be able to send these out across the country and have it. So it's part of OSHA where you have to say, you know, do you understand what it means if someone says this is my pronoun and why that's important and why gender-neutral bathrooms are critical and mm-hmm. and what the federal law says and requires you to do as an employer if someone's facing harassment and discrimination based on gender, Id- yeah. gender yeah. identity. So, yeah, we're really hoping to move into more of the kind of online modules that folks can access so we don't have to do the trainings. Trainings are great in person, but, you know, they take – there's just so much time in the yeah. world. Mm-hmm. And even if you continued the training, you now have this base. They come with a little bit of base, and so you can talk about more advanced issues mm-hmm. yeah. and solutions and things like that. Yep. So I think yeah. that's a great idea. God, I'd love to see that as OSHA training, part of the OSHA, right? OSHA 10 or OSHA 30. Oh, my yeah. word. That would totally be so safety. great. It is yeah. critical safety, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, I really try to present it as, to employers, like, it's really the carrot or the stick. Like, you can, because as an attorney, mm. I do sue employers in the trades all the time mm. because they just ignore complaints. Mm. Very, very overt harassment and danger, they ignore. And so it's like, because they don't know how to deal with it or they're, you know, bigoted. But right, right. my assumption is lots of employers don't know what to do when their employee tells them they're transgender. So... My hope is let's roll this out, figure out how to implement it into your systems, and then you don't face liability, which Mm -hmm. as an attorney, I've learned suing sucks. It's awful. (laughs) It's the worst. It gets no one what they want. Like you can get money at the end, but 
what you have to go through to defend yourself in a discrimination suit is just oh. so disheartening. Yeah. You just have to put your whole life. Humiliating yeah. and disheartening. And Absolutely. What did you do to get work after you were fired? Prove, like, m- my career as an attorney has pushed me to, how can we be get it so people don't, don't have to sue? <laughs> They can... I think that's a wonderful mission. Yes. I don't yes. want to sue anyone ever again. Yeah, it's it's miserable. Wow. So Yeah. So tell us about your uh I know on your website you've got a job board with listings for opportunities for people. Tell us tell us about that so if anybody's interested in uh, you know, checking it out. Absolutely. So we have different employers that reach out to us and say, "Hey, we got these positions open. We would like you to just let your constituents know, we put it in our newsletter, and we invite employers who are looking for employees that are committed to creating safe environments. We get so many calls from people wanting to get into the trades and scared to do it and don't know how to do it and don't know who to reach out to. So we have the job board to say, here is where you can find employment that's open, but from employers that we have relationships with that we yeah I was going to ask so how is that vetted do they even sign a commitment statement of saying this is what commi- we're committed to do not yet but is you might because my it's a marketing lo- person it's, it's a nice <laughs> low hanging thing yeah to just absolutely. say the spirit of we understand the spirit mm-hmm. of this placement yes and we believe in it we don't have to be perfect yeah and we don't even have to have all the in- institutionalized things yet but we are committed to going with this movement. Yeah. I think it's at least a place to start. Yeah. Primarily it's been folks who we have relationships with. It's been everything from pre-apprenticeship programs we have relationships with to larger construction companies we have relationships with. And that's kind of where we feed out the information from yeah. is who we have connections with currently. But yeah, I think that, but it's so hard because having a certification program is important, but I just... I got to know that the they are bought in, that they yeah. are going to create that safe space, which you can't control it, but, you know. But you'll trying, hear about it. Yeah. I think that's the thing. So oh, it, yeah. And like you say, you already have that relationship, but why not formalize that relationship mm-hmm. so that you almost become like an association Yeah, in a, in a place that employees can come to, but also employers, if they want to be seen, I think it'd be a wonderful market of employees for that company to know yeah. that they, they are perceived as safe. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've seen some other models um, where large employers will commit, you know, 50 of their 200 open spots to new incoming apprentices. And mm-hmm. so really saving that space for we want folks who are learning the trades, we'll train them in the on the job. And that I think is a model that we're really interested in too, is how do we build relationships that say, okay, really make a commitment to new trade workers that have come through Reckoning Trade Project, so we'll probably hit a box that you don't usually hit, and then create safe spaces, and then Reckoning Trade Project provides the affinity group meeting and different resources for folks to be able to reach out if they are having problems. Yeah, so it's all built in. Yeah, and then Mm -hmm. the mentorship program will be that kind of third part of the triangle where People can say, okay, I reached out to my mentor, I talked to folks at the affinity group meeting, and I've talked to my employer. Where do I get the best? And that's going to be the the best data for when you sue them. I know. <laughs> it's so true. Look at all these things I did. 
How could yeah. you have gotten this wrong? We set it up perfect. That's fantastic. Awesome. That's really exciting. That it is. is. Like you say, um, kind of endless possibilities. There really are endless possibilities. And the trades are just so amazing. Like, yeah. I really see it a lot as educational justice as well. Like, from my very narrow experience as a mechanic, like, how many mechanics are dyslexic that I've met? Like, I would say probably seven out of ten. And my, I myself have dyslexia. It's not nearly to the degree that I can't um, succeed in traditional education. But it's certainly, there's a connection there. There's mm-hmm. people whose minds are so brilliant mm-hmm. with their hands that don't succeed in traditional venues of education and it's like let people feel their brilliance yeah. by being in the trades mm-hmm. let them be like well i just built that house or i just rebuilt that engine or you know i've just seen how minds work in the trades that you know have been put in special ed their whole life and been yeah. told like you can't succeed in school we don't know why but you can't you have adhd yeah Right. Yes. Because they need to be up using their hands. Yes. They said there's yes. there's a correlation between when the um trade or not the trades, but the shop classes were taken out of high schools. And oh, yes. the, the downgrade of that and the uptick of incarceration in, in, in prisons because yep. you know, those people that gotta be moving around and doing Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely got themselves in trouble. Cheapest damn investment you could make. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's really just the trades are amazing. We have to build them up and keep them going and keep them in the United States and not getting exported. I have a faith that we'll do it and change them. A safe industry eventually. Yeah. I hope my kid can go into the trades and mm-hmm. feel safe. Yeah. And there's a lot of innovation happening for trying to make the trades accessible too. There's, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. trying to provide transportation va- vouchers, childcare, mm-hmm. like... As I said, programs where employers will hire from specific programs to make it so they have representation. We have another partner we work with that has developed a kind of a job search site for the trades that is anonymous. So it takes out gender, it takes out name. Mm-hmm. So then when people apply, that's they do have to have in-person interviews, of course, but that initial consider my resume right. is not burdened by Sue versus John, John. who are we going to pick? So Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff is just really interesting and innovative. Stupidly useful. So useful. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Before we say goodbye, or did you have another question? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I have a question. What's your philosophy? As a mechanic, how are you feeling about more and more things being computerized in a car, in a car, particularly electrical, Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, there's only four wires that go down to turn your tires, yep. steer your car, and they've got it bundled with a harness that's 17 <laughs> wires. <Yeah. laughs> so one, we can't find the damn thing, mm-hmm. and two, we have to replace a whole harness. What's your approach to <laughs> that issue? And that the diagnostic codes don't really tell you that. You know, yes, that that's yes, absolutely. I mean, it can definitely be very frustrating for sure. <laughs> Um, but I also think it's, I see it as also a place for growth that, you know, emerging tech in the trades in that way can maybe be a really interesting connection where we can say you like working in the trades and here you learn technology because 
you have to figure it out for how to repair this. And I mean, that's how I learned electrical is I was like, oh, it's a circuit. It has, <laughs> that's what the light bulb does. Resistance. <laughs> I get what resistance is now. Like someone ate through that wire. That's right. make it hard for the circuit to go. Right. Um, the thing that's worrisome is the right to repair, which is a whole nother thing, but... There's right. a big fight right now about right to repair, and that is uh, going to kill the small shops. For and, sure. I mean, Amy, as you know, like lots of small businesses are run by underrepresented folks mm -hmm. because they're like, well. They don't fit. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to succeed by creating a business. So if the manufacturers make it totally cost prohibitive to be able to repair cars, that is hurting business. Yeah. That's hurting folks who, you know, like myself and like my partner who is – Worked as a mechanic for 30 years for other people. And really the way to make the money is you own your shop and you you take that revenue in. So it's just critical to have, I think, people to be able to run small businesses. And that, that it, precludes it. How is that going to happen? I mean, how can people push against that if they wanted to support small shops? I mean... I think that what's the best route at this point, while the industry is shifting and we kind of don't know where it's going to go, but is take your car to the small mechanic you trust for the things that the mechanic can do. There's a lot of stuff we have to send away that is like, you have to go get your vehicle reprogrammed. There's no way we could do that. Right. And so have the versatility to support the small businesses when you can. And then if you have to go to the dealer, I guarantee the dealer will be three times as expensive to get your brakes done yep. than from us. So, you know, I think being able to say, okay, I'll go to the dealer when I have to, but I'll support the small business when I can. That's a great idea. Right on. Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Yeah. Good luck on everything because it just sounds yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Thank you. And if folks are interested, it's reckoningtradeproject.org. And we're on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, um, a little bit on Twitter as well. So folks can reach out, um, email us. There's just a couple of us, so we respond right away. Okay. So yeah. Great. And people can donate if they want on the site as well, which oh, is always a good idea. my favorite way to support if I can't actually work there. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. thanks so much. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Alicia. This podcast is sponsored by Amy Works, a residential remodeling contractor in Seattle. We want to help you realize the dream of your next kitchen, bath, or basement remodel. Check out some of our work on our website, amyworks.com. Give us a call at 206-478-2019 or send us an email at help at amyworks.com.